G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Jesus, you've got some great dance. It's by Courtney Cox, mate. <laughs> it, it inspired the Carlton of uh, Alfonso, whatever his name was. From, from the Dancing in the Dark. Oh, oh yeah. the yeah, Carlton. The Carlton. <laughs> it was inspired by Courtney Cox's dreadful dancing. Mate, you, yeah, mate. you have got some serious moves for the Saturday Six. Where's I your energy come from? I really from? should be coaching the Crusaders because I've got better moves than that bloke. No, Absolutely no, you don't. Moves. I've got better moves than it. No, you, know you don't. I don't, want, I don't want any more break dancing, Razor. I want to see a Michael Flatley inter- impersonation. Give me some Irish dancing. Some river dancing. Mix it up. What, uh, da- what dance would you like to see Razor do, Crusaders fans, other than break dancing? So you say that the Crusaders are winning. Fantastic. Of course I am. Crusaders are winning. I'm pretty sure you said whispered the blues to me at some stage. Yeah, but... Uh, and now you want the golden goal or... Every, a kickoff. Every boy can change his mind, can't he? Yeah, especially in this show. Yeah. Especially when it comes to punting. Kia ora, Hari Mai. Welcome into the show. This is the Saturday session. He is Grant Elliott. I'm Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is here, producer extraordinaire, as we take you uh, through till one o'clock. Our very special guest this uh, week in association with Somerset. I uh, think legendary care, think Somerset Retirement Villages. It is another Saturday session legend joining us on the program. A really, really fascinating uh, athlete uh, for her career path. Uh, all over the place, but um, excellent performances, whether it was track and field, world mountain running, uh, triathlon, uh, cycling. Kate McElroy, um put her mind to a lot of things and achieved a whole heap. She's going to join us at about quarter past 12. Can't wait to catch up with her, the former Halberg Award winner. You know all about that, Grant. Yeah. Oh, well. Everyone's got a Halberg, haven't they? <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not, not true. Not everyone, but... Yeah. She really has had a colourful career. I mean, I'm just looking at the achievements um, that she's had during Yeah, to do it in that many sports is, I mean, is really impressive. But also panning over 20 years. Yeah. You know, started when she was 16. And, um, yeah, looked like the last achievement was 2017, where she came third. So it was probably, you know, still in great... Yeah, but that was the elite road cycling nationals. Yeah, you know, oh, I'll just take up cycling now and oh. be really good at cycling. Uh, Kate McElroy is our Saturday session legend. Grant Elliott's going to um, conduct an autopsy uh, at about quarter past 20 past 11. Uh, Grant Elliott, former Black Caps, very well positioned to offer his thoughts on what's going on in the Black Caps as New Zealand's world championship defence lies in tatters, does it not? Five losses in eight tests. And uh, now we're on the, the cusp of England leapfrogging New Zealand on the ladder. And we all know... Uh, how woefully out of form England were before playing New Zealand in this series, of course. Uh, New Zealand scoring 550-odd in the first uh, innings of the second test 
still finding a way to lose. I think that was the sixth highest score in the first innings of a test in test match cricket history for a team to go on and then lose. Quite extraordinary. We'll get Grant's thoughts uh, on that uh, overall. Uh, but uh, we always invite your calls 0800 150 811 or Texas double eight double three. If you want to carry on the conversation uh, from the uh, Reese Super Rugby Fan Show last hour and talk more about the final you are entitled to. Uh, your sporting week, how was it, Grant? Uh, yeah, not not amazing. Not... Uh, you know, uh, I've been following the golf, obviously, because I just find it fascinating, all these golfers. We spoke about it last week, jumping into almost the Kerry Packer series of golf, um, or the IPL of golf. Um, and there's obviously quite a little bit of um, animosity and, and negative press about those people jumping for the cash. But Charles Swartzel uh, from South Africa earned... 75% of his career earnings in just the one tournament. It's incredible. And, and, and I made that point last week. It's the ones who haven't made tens of millions of dollars. I can understand yeah. the motivation to go join yeah. them. You know, how much is enough for those who've earned 70, 80, 90, over 100 million in prize money? Yeah. From the PGA Tour, the one they've uh, turned their back on. Uh, speaking of uh, golf, uh, we'll update uh, the latest from the U.S. Golf uh, Open in uh, a short period of time, part of Editor-at-Large as we unpack the, the sporting stories of the week. Mine's a bit deflating too, Grant. Uh, I had the privilege of calling the All-Whites um, Intercontinental yes. Cup playoff game on Wednesday morning with alongside David Choate. Uh, and so close, but so far for New Zealand to go down by one goal to nil, to have their um, World Cup uh, final dream sort of uh, shed in front of their eyes. Uh, but as far as the performance, and if you can separate performance from result, which can be difficult as a fan sometimes, if, if you if you put the results aside, just look at the performance, especially that opening 45 minutes. I, I cannot remember uh, seeing a New Zealand side in a in a big game against quality opposition utterly dominate a game like it. Yeah, uh, they'd conceded a sloppy opening goal, and, and maybe Costa Rica sat back as a result of that, but they invited a whole heap of trouble. And New Zealand had the ball in the net. Of course, uh, VAR overturned that one, but... You know, very credible performance uh, from uh, Danny Hayes' men, and they're certainly in my contenders for our sleep drops performance of the week, for sure. Yeah, because I, I was uh, fortunate enough to hear the back end of that. I was driving to work, and the game had just finished, and you obviously uh, went through to the breakfast show, and it sounded like we had won the game, almost. Everyone was very complimentary of the All-Whites. I think David Choate said it was the best performance he'd ever seen from the All-Whites. Yeah, and it's, it sounded like we were almost robbed of a victory. Was it that, or was it just the pride that we played with? Robbed, well, that's a question I'd, I'd like to ask the listeners uh, out there on 0800 Were we robbed? I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, we had the goal um, overturned, but that's modern-day football. It can happen. Uh, VAR tends to, uh, you know, wind a lot of people up. I, I was always against it. I, I thought, as far as football is concerned, so many of these decisions that you're asking VAR now to, to actually make uh, judgments on are subjective. And... Uh, offside and goal line technology is where I would have left it. Because now we're in a situation where the referee has seen this foul, as I use the quotation, the foul uh, the uh, New Zealander committed uh, in the lead-up to the goal. But the referee's obviously seen it and judged it at the time as play on. That's fine. VAR asked him to go have a look, and he's overturned the decision. Whether it was a clear and obvious error, I'm not so sure. So, yeah, I think we can feel aggrieved for sure. Some of the other refereeing decisions were a little bit odd. But were we robbed? I, I I don't feel like we were robbed. Ben Francis, were we robbed? Grant, were we robbed? You guys tell me. 
I don't want to say we were robbed. I think what was the more disappointing thing was the the more the manner it happened. So the goal was scored, and then Costa Rica made such a big song and dance about it that it led to that being looked at. That's kind of where I felt disappointed. Yep. If Costa Rica kind of didn't make that make a you know big uproar about it, then it probably wouldn't have happened. But the fact they just kept every little decision, they kept on going over to the ref, hands in the air, going, "Why are you doing this?" You know, all the other things. I think that was a frustrating part. The fact the goal had been given, and then about two minutes later, they go back and they go back quite a distance before the goal. <laughs> I think that was more the whole disappointing part. I think at the time people were mad with the red card, but then they kind of thought, okay, yeah, probably. No, that's a red. Yeah, it was that, a red. That's a red. Yeah, I, the, yeah. the moment I saw the replay, I said in, comment, in commentary, this is going to be, that, that's a red card. Yeah, but uh, I, yeah, from my perspective, it was more the manner and how it was all yeah. dealt in terms of the, just the big, you know, as I said, the song and dance from the Costa Rica. I, I thought they honestly, made, they made Neymar look like a rookie in terms of like the way they were <laughs> flopping and everything like well, that. Well, funnily enough, I mean, I didn't see the game. I only heard your commentary after the game and, you know, read a few articles. But um, the the public perception from what I heard mm. just in the office and in and around those people that were interested in it, they seemed to think that the referee was was quite poor. And to the, I don't think the, the borderline... Ref- I, I don't think the referee was of a great standard, uh, yeah. which, you know, I know they had to say that the referees had to come out of the Asian Confederation. Well, were they the best... Referees in the Asian Confederation, I, I'm unsure. But to get that close and ultimately fall that short for those group of players, it's it's going to be hard to get over. And, and especially someone like a Winston Reid, who's 33 years of mm. age, and that that was his last chance of getting back to a world. Well, Cup. that's what I was going yeah. to ask you. I mean, uh, you know, who of the the current stock is that their last chance? Where to? From well, Chris Wood's 30. Um, he probably could go around again for another four year cycle. Um, and, and the good news is in four years, it looks like well, Oceania might get a direct entry into the World Cup with, uh, you know, 48 teams at the next World Cup mm. as it expands. So uh, commiserations, hard luck. Certainly a, a sleep drops performer of the week contender for me for sure. Uh, your thoughts on that? If, if you watched and maybe in, in the goodness of time you've calmed down, let us know 0800 And overall, any nomination you have for a sleep drops performance of the week, uh, we would love to get uh, your thoughts on that. We'll get grants a little bit later. But at 10 minutes after 11 o'clock, as you um, start your sporting Saturday, let's recap the news of the day. It's editor-at-large as we unpack all the sports stories you've missed out on. During the segment, we will uh, add in our totally unwanted and sometimes unwarranted off-the-cuff opinion. So let's go. Uh, more good news for the greatest cricketing nation uh, the world has ever seen, England. Gee, they, times have changed, haven't they, in a couple of weeks. England have broken their own world record for the highest score in one-day international cricket after... Posting this, Grant, 498 for four. Neat lacquer. <laughs> Neat lacquer. <laughs> oh, hello, Flick. On, hello, Flick, Junge. <laughs> to beat the Netherlands by 232 runs in a run fest in Amstel Vane. Joss Butler, 162 not out of 70 balls. Mm, that's beautiful. Howard Milan, 125 of 109. And P. Salt, who I'd never heard of until reading his name right this very second. Bill, Bill Salt made 122 of 93. All scoring centuries as uh, England top, topped the 481 for six they piled on against Australia at Trentbridge back in 2018. That's almost the Billy Birmingham uh, scorecard with the Australians. The Australians uh, all scoring hundreds, the top five, 525 for three. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. In basketball, the Golden State Warriors 
have now won more NBA titles than my beloved Chicago Bulls. What is going wrong with the world? They've won their seventh overall and fourth in the last, what, six or seven years. Um, they are the 2021-22 NBA champions after beating the Boston Celtics 103-90 to in Game 6 of their series to win four games to two. The win was the Warriors' fourth in eight years, to be exact. Steph Curry's now won as many NBA titles as LeBron James. Yeah, he was crying, Steph Curry, but I had a very grumpy household as well. My 10-year-old son, not happy with the Celtics. Keep and then down. watched the Saints last night, and then now he was distraught that the Saints lost and their little buzzer beater. So... Yeah, not I mean, a good week. Not a good no, week. Not a good week. Not a Celtics. Not a good Saints. week. Uh, to the NRL, the North Queensland Cowboys scored three ties in three minutes. To Sanchez starting 28-26, uh, uh, went over Manly at Four Pines Park last night, trailing 26-12 with just seven minutes from full time. The uh, Cowboys mounted that remarkable comeback. Uh, so congratulations to them. And the New Zealand Warriors will be uh, hoping to end a six-game losing streak tonight when they face the Penrith Panthers. I don't know how... Uh, what, what, I don't know what happened to the Broncos. What happened to the Broncos? You you, you must have lined out on that on that piece what, of paper there, Daniel. What, what happened? What happened? Oh, did you write that down? Yeah, I did. Oh right. I, I, funny how funny you left oh, right. that out. Oh yeah, the storm came from behind to beat the Broncos thirty-two points to twenty in um, another grub-filled match where um, the good guys lost. I think that that sums it up neatly. And let's uh, finish off with the second round of the U.S. Golf Open, where Morikawa of the United States is the clubhouse leader, Grant. <laughs> He's minus five after shooting a 66 today. Fellow American Darman is also five under the card. He's got one to play. Rory McIlroy is in tie for third with my boy Johnny Rahm, baby. You love Johnny Rahm. I love Johnny Rahm. Give me some ramage. Yeah, John Rahm, um, just a shot back. So the big names uh, at the U.S. Golf Open. There you have it, uh, the very latest. And you sports news, we like to call it editor at large. What about the tantrum? The McIlroy tantrum in the bunker in the bunker that i showed you that was beautiful. that was a thing of beauty there's nothing so, he, so he, he hits from one bunker into another bunker yeah and then takes it out on the bunker and just absolutely beating the bunker yeah. into submission more type behavior yeah. wasn't it but i think the beauty of seeing that is that you know as a as a hacker on the golf course it's nice to see the professionals make real amateur mistakes and then just lose their cool it, it normalizes it. <laughs> yeah. Makes you feel human. Yeah. No one likes a bunker. Oh, I love bunker. Do you? Yeah, I'm really good. No, in the, I'm really good in the. I slam. panic. I oh, panic. Deliberately hit it in there. What's the slams? I'll get it out. It's all psychology. Yeah. It's for the rest of my game. Mud. It is 14 minutes after 11. We will take a short break. Grant Elliott and myself, Daniel McCarty, will talk the Black Caps and what the heck is going on there after the break. Four to win and Stokes. Slaps it away for four three points. Of course he raced it with a boundary. The captain in style, unbeaten on 75. England win by five wickets. And they do it with 22 overs to spare. This is an England team reborn and revitalised under the leadership axis of McCullum and Stokes. And it's only fitting that the captain does it just like that. Yeah, quite extraordinary when you would have heard on SENZ for England in the second test against New Zealand. 299 for five and 50 overs. Destruction of the New Zealand bowling after the resumption of play after the tea break. It was quite quite extraordinary stuff. I remember uh, driving to work that morning, uh, Grant, uh, for the, uh, the FIFA Intercontinental Playoff. Uh, it took me 20 minutes to get from home out to our, our studio in uh, Petoni. In that time, England scored about 60 runs. 
Yeah, it, it was like listening to a highlights package. Yeah, I mean, it was a high-scoring game the whole way through. Um, and if you look at the outfield at Trent Bridge, it was rapid. Anything that's sort of you know slightly on the outside half of the bat was just racing away through to third man. Um, and you know, when when you in England, you've got the the decks or the middle. Um, pitches which actually extend all the way to the boundary pretty much so you know you've got very short grass um, and not only is it a quick outfield but it's quite a small boundary there's a there's one boundary which got peppered quite a bit that is it's almost sort of cuts off an angle to fit in one of the the stands at Trent Bridge so when we went to play T20 cricket there you knew that you were up against it as a bowler because of the short boundaries so once a batter gets in, um, quick outfield, short boundaries, and pretty good batting pitch, um, yeah, we're always going to struggle. And I think the the question that we all have to ask is, or well, where was Neil Wagner? Well, it's not as if we um, didn't discuss this last weekend. Before the test Before started, the test. yeah. Well, after day number one, where, uh, it was when we when we were last on air. We uh, New Zealand had done very well with the bat on the first day, of course, and, and reaching that score of 550-odd on day number two. You, you can't lose test matches from that. Uh, only five scores in the first innings in the history of the game are higher than that for a side who's gone on to lose the test. I'm still grumpy about day three of the first test. Uh, I, I don't know. How should I feel about this? Like Amazing stuff by Bairstow. Brilliant knock. All credit to him. But you talked about Neil Wagner, the way we bowled after tea. Short pitch bowling was, I think, an admission New Zealand got it wrong. Yeah, I think admission that they got it wrong. But when I look at these two teams, I actually think that they're quite balanced. It is, but to your point, England have won the big moments. There's been moments in the game where on that morning, the third morning, suddenly Stuart Broad got three wickets in the space of no time, turned the game. And there's been moments in the game where they've, they suddenly turned it. Started the, fir- started the second innings at Trent Bridge. Suddenly, you know, Anderson, wickets up front. There was Potts in the first test who got four for 12 or 16 or whatever it was. So they've won those moments. And I think players with experience, and our players are, are experienced enough to acknowledge those passages of play where they know they have to try and dominate and where you have to turn a 40 into a 100. You have to t- turn a 30 into an 80. And um, bowlers that acknowledge when a partnership gets going that they need to try and break that partnership. And either bowl a tight spell where they're not scoring runs or make sure that they, they look at getting wickets in a way that is, is restricting as well. And I think that that's where Wagner's quite special is that when the game is you know moving forward for the opposition, you bring on Wagner, he's quite unpredictable I, I as a bowl. I just don't get it, Grant. I just don't get it. Mm. Replacing him with a guy who averages 40. And, and this is no start on Matt Henry. Matt Henry's a good bowler. He's a good boy. He's not Neil Wagner. He's just not. I just. I. I don't understand it. You do it once. Yeah. Forgive you twice. Just matter two tests. I don't know what would be going through that guy's mind. I don't know. I wonder how Neil Wagner feels. Well, I mean, I, I just wonder. I, I've done all these things for you for over a decade, but you're now not picking me. That, his head must be spinning. A bit like Carlos, who writes, and he unloads. And I, I do wonder if there's a lot of, of listeners right now who, who are still a little bit grumpy. Come on, join us on the couch, our cricketing therapy couch, 0800 
150811. Love to get your thoughts on it. Or are we overreacting? Let us know. Um, this one from Carlos. Are you ready, Grant? Whew. I'm absolutely fuming at the Black Caps and how the usual high standards have dropped on this tour. How can we lose a game after scoring 550-plus runs in the first dig? I can point the finger at several failings on this tour. Firstly, we played Patel on a Lord's Green top. Secondly, Williamson got COVID. Thirdly, Wagner not used at Trent Bridge. Fourthly, Bracewell gets COVID. Now I hear other sports staff around the team are in isolation. What the hell is going on? Not one English player has got COVID. This is as much a Black Cap leadership failing as it is on the field. Tactically, Brendan McCallum has peppered us like a Sunday roast on this tour. Expect a 3-0 series victory to England, writes Carlos. Hope you're doing okay, Carlos. Well, I'm going to add to that peppering, Carlos, because I just heard Devin Conway's got COVID. Yeah, so In isolation. Devin, Devin's probably out for the, the last test. But, yeah, I mean, Carlos makes valid points. I mean, Kane could have avoided COVID. <laughs> no, that, that happens. I spoke to someone in, in the UK who said, on oh, New Zealand, the only team testing for COVID now. So he seemed to be quite surprised that we were testing, which was unusual. But I think what we need to look at is, is we need to look at the statistics. And you look at you know what's gone on in the last two, two matches, and top of the wickets is Trent Bolt. Now, Trent Bolt, probably a surprise inclusion for the first test. Because he was a late arrival. Late arrival. We didn't actually think he was going to play. You probably expected, you know, Wagner to play there. So that's good. That's normal. We, we normally see Bolt and Southie at the top. However, then it is dominated by English bowlers. Anderson, Potts, Broad, sitting at second, third, and fourth with 11, 10, and 9 wickets. Our next best bowler, who's actually probably landed in New Zealand, is Carl Jameson with six, and then Southie with five. So we're not getting enough wickets. Yeah, and, of course, that needs to be mentioned. Down a bowler, of course, for that fourth. Yeah. And, and you know, so but staying on the field, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about as a skill, yeah, and un, you know. absolutely, it is a skill. But and, and I think that that's where you know we l- need to learn how to play the spinner, or you know, Neil Wagner, someone that bowls a lot of overs, and we saw his stats last week. We we spoke about them. He's almost got statistics that represent spinner statistics because he bowls so many overs. He's so fit, and um, has gone uninjured. But then we move our eyes to the. Um, to the batting. And, you know, top of the list, Daryl Mitchell. Mitchell and Blundell, big A pluses. Unbelievable. Um, 373 runs, um, you know, at an, um, you know, that is 68 runs more than Joe Root, who's, who's world class. And then Blundell sits at third. But then once again, dominated by English players. You've got Ollie Pope, Ben Stokes, Bearstow, and Lees. And I think that the worrying sign for us there is that we've got no one in our top four that is, you know, dominating that top 10. Sort of Will Young's there and thereabouts at averaging 26 and yeah, given Conway Latham averaging, averaging 11. He's got 45 runs in the series. And yeah. We talked about his ability to score runs against marquee sides away from home is something that, you know, has to be assessed and looked at. And unfortunately, it's sort of a continuation of that. And so we're not getting enough wickets and our top order is not performing. So for me, it's as simple as that. You, you know, you can't go into a test match, you can't go into an innings where you're losing wickets quickly. If that middle order, and if the middle order stood up, Mitchell and, and Blundell have done extremely well, but there hasn't been much outside of that. And I think that that's the worry. So you look at Kane has only played nine out of the last 18 tests for New Zealand. It's and you worry. told me not to get worried about him. Yeah. And then, you told me not to get worried. I, I told you not to worry about his, 
his career. But I think the question mark is how much are we missing Taylor? You know, that Williamson-Taylor combination at three and four, they've scored so many runs for New Zealand. Um, that's been plastered over a little bit by Devin Conway's performances at the start of his career. But there's been a lot of 40s, no one really going on. Is Will Young an opener or more of a three, four? I think he's more of a, a three or four. But I think he's done extremely well. His game oh, yeah. looks looks solid. You know, when he was here in New Zealand, um, his game was unbelievable. How he had, um, I guess, overhauled his technique to be a little bit tighter, play straighter, and he he does look the part. I guess the question we need to ask is, I think we need to get a spinner in there. So if it's not AJS Patel, because we're worrying about his batting, what are we doing with Ratchan Ravindra? Now, can we get him in the team? He played for Durham. Got a couple hundred. In his first 200. and only county game and got double hundred. He bowls left arm spin. So if we're worried about the batting, it, you know, then you'll lump Ratchan Ravindra and Michael Bracewell. Well, they're in the same sort of camp, aren't they? Left-hand batters, they could bat through the middle, maybe bat at the top. Um, but we need to try and find out who that spin option is because without someone bowling 150 k's an hour and wrist spinner in the team or a decent spinner in the team, I don't think we can truly be a consistently world-class team. Uh, Apera writes, uh, Will's coming off since we got that damn mace. It's a curse. <laughs> we lose our top order for F all. <laughs> Too often now. Attack often can't foot... Um, can't keep the foot on the throat, get Wagner back in and form. Thank God for Mitch and Blundell at the moment. And that, that is the real bright spot. Daryl Mitchell, and, you know, before we end this segment, um, what have you seen from this guy who surely has now cemented himself as the first choice number five in this New Zealand side, right? He, yeah. he's, he's surely gone ahead of Henry Nichols. Um, I don't think you can put him ahead of Nichols yet. Nichols has got a very good career. But I certainly think... You know, maybe you can look at Mitchell. I, I, I don't remember Nichols getting, you know, hundreds consecutively away from home against England. Yeah, no, that, that that's true. But he's done it here. He's done it in New Zealand. I mean, he got to World Test batting ranking of number five, Nichols. So he's definitely earned that right to be in the place. But I think the question is with Mitchell is can we use him as that all-rounder? We haven't seen a lot of overs from him. Is he going to be that out-and-out batter now? But the surprising thing for him, or from, from uh, my point of view, is how he manages to play one-day T20 and Test cricket in all three formats and plays it in a very, you know, quite a different way. But he's got the game plan now, and he's cultivated an amazing career for himself or future of his career now as a, as a New Zealand player that we need. But I, I just asked the question about his bowling, um, and that's not being negative. His batting, big tick, but Colin de Grandhomme, I mean, you know, he, he offers you those 15 overs as well. Obviously, went off in, injured in the first test. And don't forget, I mean, there's a lot of negative texts coming in. This is the best New Zealand test team we've had in the history of New Zealand cricket. Well, the most recent results over four or five years, for sure. But that's why yeah. we're disappointed. Yeah. Because their expectations of, of the side have gone up, and rightly so, and that's a credit to them. But on the other side, England look freer of mind, of spirit, the way they're playing, all those things that I think they imagine Brendan McCullum uh, would bring. He's he's done that. Have we made them look better, though, than they actually are? 
No, no, I think they've played good cricket. Like, you have to take your cap off to them. They've Root's played... been excellent, isn't it? Yeah. When Root scores runs, England win. When Root doesn't score runs, then they don't look great. But just remember, before this test series, the English public was saying, we need a complete overhaul. And even the you know executive was saying that. Overhaul of the county system. That's why our test game is in tatters. Now, all of a sudden, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what the press is saying. So it's amazing what hope and a positive mindset, the combination of McCullum and Stokes, we weren't sure what that sort of cocktail was going to bring to cricket, but I think we've seen Fun. what it's going to bring. Fun. And it does give New Zealand an opportunity because if they play that aggressive brand of cricket um, on a pitch that offers the bowlers something, well, it could um, offer a bit of catastrophe as well. So it will be interesting to see what Headingley brings. Hopefully it's a nice green pitch and um, it brings our bowlers into the game a little bit more. Well, there's certainly good vibes in that English camp. Uh, in uh, the Week in Words, I've got uh, some quotes from Stuart Broad sort of outlining that final day in the second test at, and just uh, the change of attitude in that group. Uh, that will come a little bit later this hour. It's 27 minutes away from 12 o'clock. It's the thoughts of Grant Allen, the former Black Cat. What about you? 0800 150 is the text line. I'd love to get uh, your verdict on what you have uh, seen, witnessed, thought, felt um, after these uh, two losses to England in England. Remember, England had won just one of 17 test matches prior to this series. Uh, New Zealand have now lost three straight test matches. I've lost five of eight in the uh, the ICC World Test Championship. and looks like uh, we'll be handing back the mace uh, for good well, in this cycle. Um, it looks like... Um, what well, just stays there, I doesn't think, it? I think we're in warriors country, aren't we? Mathematically. <laughs> oh, no. Are we mathematically still within a chance? I oh, that, that's I have, country. I have not crunched the numbers because that's, uh, that's way too complicated. Next tour of Pakistan. Oof. Yeah, that's, that's not going to be easy now, is it? It's 26 minutes away from 12 o'clock. The lines are open. 0800-150-811. I'd love to get your verdict on, on the cricket or double eight double three. That's the text line back after this. Cock, thank you for my therapy session, Grant. That's all right. Yeah. I'm feeling I mean, better. I'm feeling better. You know, when we started the show together, you every show you would talk about us being world champions and yeah. having the the mace. Yeah. And now, don't know if you we still are world champions. Don't get me wrong, we are okay, still world good. champions. I can't take that away from us. Good, because you just you do seem to go on this roller coaster ride with your team. It's fandom. You've got the maple leaves. Oh, well, that that's hardly a roller coaster. That's just you know. And then you flat straight road of nothingness. Yeah, so you're on the the real low end of excitement there, and then you got this extreme high end with Liverpool. Um, and then you had you had the Black Caps, but now I almost feel like the Black Caps have dropped almost down to the Maple Leaves. Oh, jeepers! That is a bold call. No, well that's I the, would, the I feeling not, I get. From I would you. not sully the Black Caps name to that level. Yeah, I'm but pretty confident the Black Caps confident will, will win something again in my lifetime. Do you think that we'll win um, the test at Headingley? No. You don't? I think all the momentum's with England. Who's going to be fit and available for yeah. New Zealand? Yeah, but it is an you away... You may have heard COVID spreads quite quickly. It's so. an away test, though. Not many teams win away no, tests these days. of course. Days. Yeah, the, it, it's all in line for England to win, surely. Um, let's get to a couple of your messages on double eight double three before we get to the weekend words. Blues to win, so I don't have to see a man... A grown man roll around the grass, writes Leroy. I think it's bad, great. bad Leroy Brown. Not a big fan of the prospect of one uh, Scott Robinson, uh, uh, Robertson um, doing some breakdance. A river dance. You want him to do yeah, a I river do. dance. I want a Michael Flatley impersonation. <laughs> I'm over your breakdancing, mate. I'm over it. I know it's going to the Olympics and all. 
But give me, give me a Michael Flatley. Give me a Michael Flatley. Love a, love a good Michael Flatley impersonation. I'll tell, you the t- the, I'll tell you about the time I did one in the middle of Temple Bar in, uh, in Dublin one day. I'll tell you what, don't do an impersonation of uh, Michael Flatley in, in Dublin when you don't know how to do, actually do the river down. There were some very, very strange looks I got that day. Uh, sporting rivalry and families. And we were talking about the Barretts, of course, earlier. Uh, nephew in England, his wife is a Manchester City fan. He is a Manchester United fan. And their son is a Liverpool fan. Try living in that household. <laughs> oh, yeah, there, there would be um, some rather frosty breakfasts, breakfasts, I would say. Uh, Mike Wright's Performance of the Week. This is our, uh, or his nomination for our Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. Uh, the mighty Bulldogs taking Parramatta apart and to leave the wooden spoon open for the Warriors to claim. Oh, that's not nice. It's Grant Elliott is off the bandwagon officially. No, still, I'm still, still, there. still driving the bandwagon, of course, is our, our, our producer extraordinaire, Ben Francis. I'm oh, not on can the you, bandwagon. Can you read that one? Can you read that one? Oh, I know. I've got to read this one before you jump in there, um, Ben Francis. Uh, Dan McCarty, you need a full-time job on the station. Text. Did you Daniel text Ma- that in? Text Daniel did, McCarty. Did you? I'm, I'm, I'm unavailable. I only make cameos during the week. I only make cameos. Yeah. Sorry, Ben, I cut you off there. Uh, we were talking Warriors, and I know you always want to get your two cents worth. On the Warriors, you've taken your hoodie off though, from this morning. That's because that's because the studio I'm in is is absolutely roasting at the moment. But I'm not on the bandwagon because I'm always a supporter, so therefore I'm not really on the bandwagon. The bandwagon. Well, you drive the bandwagon for people because you like to bring people into the church, mate. <laughs> you know, you you're you're, wel- you're very welcoming. I'm, so that's I'm, what we I'm, like I'm about like you. I'm like a preacher then. Yeah, yeah. I well, can see like, that. Unlike other preachers, other preachers seem to make money off it, but I'm not. So what's going on? Well, a bit like uh, your rugby league side, you're not very good at what you're doing, obviously, as a preacher. Oh, that, that, that's hard to hear. That is hard to hear. Uh, and someone would like uh, to know, Grant, uh, your thoughts on the passing of one Don Neely. What a, what a wonderful servant to cricket in these parts in Wellington, uh, New Zealand overall. May he rest in peace. My, my deepest sympathies uh, to his family and friends. I don't know about you, Grant, the one thing that I'll remember Don Neely for the most is just what a gentleman he mm. was. Absolute gentleman, and um, he exhibited probably one of my favourite characteristics of someone who leads, and that's humility. Just had absolute humility, and you know, you you said gentleman, but he was obviously heavily involved in the game of cricket, heavily involved in in Wellington cricket as well. Um, I was just reading through you know his past, and I didn't really realise that he had he had won the Plunkett Shield as captain, but. Um, yeah, an unlikely victory too. I don't think they're the yeah. most talented side, but under a stewardship as leadership. Yeah. And results. And um scoreboards obviously named after Don Neely at the Basin Reserve. Um and uh helped pen the, the book Men in White, which was the history of New Zealand's test cricket. He was so, never shy of a story. Yeah. Boy, he knew the game. Loved the Brilliant. game. So thoughts go out to to those close to him and obviously the cricketing family that will uh, mourn his death. But yeah, um, I guess time for celebration as well because yeah. what he has achieved and how he's been involved in the game. And I think that, that that's a true sense of um, success in sport is when you see someone like Don Neely who has played in the game but has been involved in it for so long, that love of the game. Whoever it was that taught him the love of cricket and um, the love of giving back to your community, um, yeah, 
uh, amazing, amazing career. Yeah, surveil uh, Don Neely. It is uh, 16 minutes away from 12 back after this break. The Week in Words to finish this hour. If I get drunk, tell I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk. Oh, nothing like the Scottish National Anthem, Grant. Played some good tunes up until now. Bangers. Been Real bangers. bangers. I don't know if this is a slight on my character for my uh, extracurricular activities last night. Would walk 500 miles. Don't sing, mate. What? You ask me to sing every time someone has a birthday on the show. Yeah, but not not now. I'm asking you not to do that now. <laughs> Time for the Week in Words. There's plenty of quotes that have stood out to Grant and I for our own reasons. Uh, Stuart Broad speaks very, very well. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he does speak very, very well. I, I find I always enjoy listening to him. Limited fan base. <laughs> Especially fielders who drop catches off. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he writes after that astounding win for England against New Zealand, and I quote: "Baz's team talk was very much let's attack the danger, let's run towards the danger, and every part of your mind is going for this win. Whoever is to come, the changing room has full belief that you can do your job and get the win. So it was never really a case of if we lose one, we might shut up shop. It was always going. It was always we are going to win." And if it doesn't work, don't worry about it, but we're going to go for the win. Quite telling now, isn't it? He also adds, uh, but I didn't quite expect to see what I saw from Johnny. It was the most outrageous hour I've seen in Test cricket from a partnership. Obviously, Headingley had incredible nerves. I felt sick watching that tight thing with Leach and Stokesy, but that was just exhilarating, astonishing. Trent Bridge giving out free tickets. I'm sure there were people on the ground who have never watched Test cricket before. How inspiring is that thoughts of um, one Stuart Broad well test cricket might not be dead eh Grant Uh, what have you got well no listen that does not surprise me one bit of how Brendan has approached that I mean you know I'm going to read something about bringing the right attitude as great team players and it says the most important quality in a person needs the most important quality a person needs in life is a great attitude. I'm here to tell you in plain and simple terms that the attitude you bring on a daily basis is everything. You can have all the skills, knowledge, tools, and years of experience, but if your attitude stinks, you're not going to get very far, period. Now, if you can instill an attitude like that... Who's that quote from? It's just a book I was reading. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but if you if you can instill that attitude in players, what that does is that takes the fear of failure out of your mind. And if you can, as a player, you can... Sorry. He's trying to watch Ben France. He's I don't know what's happening. Cleaning his shoes. He's cleaning his shoes and he just gave it a sniff and gave the reaction. It's terrible. It's completely distracting me. What were you talking about in this very serious segment, Grant? I think he must have dropped some coffee on his shoe. But, <laughs> it, but if so choose your attitude. <laughs> Choose your attitude. Choose your attitude. And if you can extinguish the thoughts of failure as an athlete, that is when you can express yourself. Yeah, that's why I'm happy being a Leafs fan. Because I'm never going to win again, mate. <laughs> extinguish that. Just found serenity. And maybe that's what Scott Robertson did when he said this week, he said, the Crusaders have leaked 268 points and the Blues 284 during this uh, Super Rugby season. And Scott Robertson said, defense wins championships. And that's given us a chance for tonight. Right. So they're going on the defensive. Yeah. Well. So you reckon... basically cherry-picked a quote to suit your tip that the Crusaders 
No, I think that the Blues are going to win because it's, just, um, it's dry. If it's wet. I was just going to see if you join me on Flip Flop Nation. <laughs> no, I'm the only Flip Flopper here. $15 Speaking for the draw. Flops, how's your shoes, Ben? Yeah, what What's happened there, Ben? What's going on your footwork? Is everything okay up there? Oh, everything's fine, but I'll try, I'm going to try to hold my shoes up to the camera. They're, they're a bit filthy at the moment, so I was just giving, they, the, giving they them a clean. They obviously smelt bad, didn't they? Well, they're not the best, but this is my only... <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to find a pair of size 15 shoes at the moment? I'll take your word for it. Hard. It's, it's very difficult. And you can see, I'm holding up to the camera. It's pretty big. Oh, Lord, that's a big shoe. Yeah. It's a big what they say big. about big shoes, Grant? Yeah. So, big socks, don't so, they? Big so, socks. Man. Well, I've got I've got long socks on too, but and they've got holes in them. But uh, I, I was just giving it a clean because I keep these are the only wow. pair I've got. At times that tough. Yeah, it's very tough at the moment. We, we were Okay, in, Grant, Grant, can you find some? Size 15 shoes? Yeah, I'll find out. I'm just trying to think. Mitch McLennigan, he must be 15. Yeah, get on the Big Mitch, mate. Big Mitch will be a 15. He'll have a throw through castaways ready to give you. Yeah. Look at him polishing that shoe. I'll, I'll speak Vigorous. to some of the Saints players. I'll definitely, there'll be a couple of 15s there. Uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, Adam Tussaride is the Black Caps coach under threat, question mark. Mm. Well, if results carry on like this for any length of time, of course, yes. It's a results-driven business. But I still think there's quite a bit of um, money in the bank, right, Grant? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Money in the bank. Um, I think, it. you know, we were talking about it earlier, and one thing that this team doesn't have is consistency in selection at the moment. You know, Taylor leaving, um, Williamson having been out. There hasn't really been consistency. And I think if you want consistent performances, then you have to select that consistent team. And there might just be one player that comes in and out depending on the uh, the conditions. And that's what we had leading up to the winning the Test Championship. We had consistency. We are coming up to the top of the hour. It's five minutes away from 12 o'clock. Our lines are always open. You can keep your nominations coming through for our Sleep Drops performance of the week. I'll get Grant's nominations after the break as we hit the final hour of the program. Of course, Sleep Drops, New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Everyone who sends in their nomination goes in the draw to win a prize pack. Thanks to the uh, the team at Sleep Drops, and we do appreciate their ongoing support. In the final hour of the show, Kate McElroy is our legend. We're going to speak to her about her remarkably diverse and successful career uh what athletics mountain running triathlon cycling pretty damn hand at all of those uh she will join us about quarter past 20 past 12 uh, we'll catch up with clayton and the good oil team uh and all our regular features including our sporting art tips that you probably should run a mile from uh, i'm not sure how grant went last week oh probably really good yeah so uh if you went really bad that means Ben Francis would have done very, very well. Back after this break. Oh, Grant Elliott's giving me the old uh, finger wag, the old Billy Moore. Queensland! Queensland! That's all I've got. That's all Wagging I've got. i the finger in my face like I'm a naughty little boy. It's <laughs> all I've got That's on the, your dance, the dance floor. Yeah, just, just the, the, the finger. The finger. goes up. Wow. In the air. Wow. So that, that limited range. Yeah, limited range. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a bit disappointing, Grant. I, I, I would have thought, mover and shaker that you are. You would have had uh, lots of moves. I'll work on the river dance, though, because I know how important <laughs> that is for you. Come on. Come on, Razor. Give me <laughs> some river dance. James says, you guys keep saying it's going to be dry tonight, exclamation point, question mark. Met service had constant drizzle from midday onwards and start bucketing down at 7 p.m. 
You see, that's what I heard, James, and that's and why I was going to go for the we, Crusaders. Uh, that's why we talked to Justin Marshall about the conditions, but he's uh, hoping that the rain will stay away. I think we all want the rain to stay away, don't we? Yeah, you do. You go, otherwise, it's just going to be forward pack. I mean, I, I read that quote earlier, and it's Scott Robertson, defence wins championships. Never heard that line in sport before, have I? And he said that Leon McDonald and him coached under, or they coached together. They know how important defences is the foundation for the team. So if it is wet, you expect it to go that way. But let's hope it's a bit dry and we can see, as Justin Marshall says, every time we speak to him, some razzle-dazzle. We, we, we want to hear from uh, the family rivalry. You don't have to be related, but in your household, you might be flatmates. I'm sure there's uh, some flats out there with some Blues fans and Crusaders fans who got up awkwardly this morning, mates, lingering eye contact, sort of a snarl and a... Husband-wife combos. I know that um, Laura McGoldrick and Martin Guptill. Guptill that's will be heavy blues. Split McGoldrick, household. Yeah, heavy Crusaders. Oof, be good niggle there between those two, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, no, that would be a split household. Uh, we had that uh, wonderful text of um, a, a guy's preparing a Crusaders-themed bar for his mate, his <laughs> blues fan mate, to turn up at. That would be fantastic. Uh, feel free to join us. Uh, and talk about the Super Rugby final if you want 0800 150 811. You can text us on double eight double three. Keep your nominations coming through for our sleep drops. Performance of the week. Uh, here's another one. Performance of the week. Hayden Wild first at World Triathlon Circuit Lee uh, Circuit Race in Leeds, backing up Olympic gold. Good timing with Com Games knocking at the door. Thank you very much, Brett. Do appreciate it. We'll chuck you in uh, the prize pot and see if we uh, pull out your name before we depart at uh, 1 o'clock. Speaking of triathlons, uh, a triathlete, uh, a runner, a, a cyclist, uh, Kate McElroy is going to be our Saturday session legends uh, guest in about uh, 15 minutes' time or there or thereabouts. Grant Elliott, your nominations for the Sleep Drops Performance of the Week. The Blues. The Blues what? winning the semi final. What? Yeah. The Blues well, winning the semi-final, the one they nearly choke-jobbed. Yes, because yeah. you were talking them into a very doing a very bluesy, bluesy thing to do. A very bluesy. And you were asking the listeners, you said, how nervous are you as a Blues fan about tonight? And I think you got me on the bandwagon. Listen I started to doubting Listen the Blues. To him, he sounds like he's a Blues fan, a full-blown Blues fan. Well, I'm a Hurricanes fan, but yeah. I think tonight I would actually like to see the Blues win. I would like to see the Blues win because I think home final, if they do win and it is dry, I want to see some running rugby. I just want to see a really exciting final. I don't want to see it be dominated in the forward packs. Um, the All Blacks team's been named. So, you know, Justin Marshall said to me, he said, well, it, he'd like to think that players would play like that anyway, irrespective of whether they're in the All Blacks team or not. But I think that that does hang over some players. So now if they've been selected then, you know... Liberated. Yeah, there is that feeling of liberation. And then there's players who haven't been selected that would be a little bit, you know, filthy about it and then want to prove a point. So I think that that's exciting for the final. Grant sounds like the exact definition of a bandwagon fan. He started to win the Warriors when they were winning. And now exactly, mate. And now the Blues are, what, a 13-14 game win? Did you see that eye roll? Did you see <laughs> yeah. that eye roll he just gave you? So it's like the eye, that is eye the roll. closest I've ever seen you to being angry. I support, nice I support Everton, Ben. <laughs> Have I changed my allegiance from Everton? You watch when he jumps on you, the Liverpool bandwagon the next year. <laughs> no, I didn't, Ben. I didn't, I didn't really have a, a league team, and my league team is still the Warriors, so don't worry. I will keep supporting the Warriors. <laughs> You've got to believe. Can you play? please play Don't Stop Believing at some stage during the day? Well, you took one in the... 
birthday. You took one on the roof there, didn't you? It's taking one on the roof. It's taking one on the roof. He'll dig in, though. He'll dig in. Uh, 0800 150 811. You can text us double eight double three. So the Blues are your sleep drops performance of the week. Absolutely. By almost buying it in the semi-final against the Brumbies. They got over the line. Uh, that was their final. So, so, so them setting up the the final that you wanted has want has it. given um given them the edge. Fair but enough. It, it's the beauty of this segment. It's whatever floats our boat. It has, and they definitely won't be having sleep drops. Maybe after their victory tonight. Try it, NewZealandSleepDrops.co.nz for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Always read the label and take as directed. Jason uh, Wrightson from Australia. Good to hear you're listening again, Jason. Um, and you're going down my path, uh, the inventive selection. Uh, I am going for both the Crusaders and the Blues in the Super Rugby final. So he's going for the draw. <laughs> yeah, he would be going for a draw. $15. It was $15. You want to know about the the paths of the kicking competition. How does that work? Right. So, in extra time, Grant, there is a five minute rest period after the full time siren sounds and the ref blows the whistle and the game's tied at 28 apiece. Ten minute uh, periods, two of them, with a two minute half time. Just extra time, right? As we know it. Mm -hmm. At the end of extra time, if the scores are still locked up, they go to sudden death. Um, That is up to an additional 10 minute sudden death period is played. after another five-minute rest period, the first team to score by penalty, drop goal, or try will be the winner. So that is golden point. Yeah. And then at the end of that, they go to a kicking competition, if it's still tied. And yet you're all about the kicking competition now, especially after I read. How many people uh, is Here that sudden death? The match is still tied. At the end of sudden death, the referee will conduct a place-kicking competition from where? to determine the winner of the match according to the following procedures. Um, each team will nominate five players to take part in the competition. Uh, only players on the field at the end of uh, the, the game yeah. are, are allowed to. So like football with penalties. Exactly. The five players from each team will uh, place kick from three different positions, oh. all on the 22-metre line as follows. First point, directly in front of the posts. A bit of pressure on that one. Mate, they're the worst. (laughs) Yeah, the ones that you should get. Yeah, the ones you should get are the worst. Second on the 15-metre line on the left-hand side facing the post. Third point on the 15-metre line on the right-hand side facing the post. Um, So, yeah, so there you go. That's uh, how it rolls. The referee will start the competition by calling the first player selected from the team kicking first to... uh, Once the player has taken the place, the referee calls the player over, so alternating there. They're so technical, the way they write these t- these rules. You can tell the lawyers have had a field day in <laughs> um, uh, summarising these. And I use that term loosely because uh, it looks like there's about another 14 chapters I could actually read to you. Um, so five players involved in a, um, a kickoff. So, and then it goes, if it's tied after five, if it goes, uh, if it's tied after five, it's in sudden death, just like a penalty shootout. G'day, Tim. Welcome into the show. How are you, lads? We are great. Thank you for asking. Good, Tim. Hey, um, I've got a nomination for performance of the week. Please do. Far away. Uh, <clears throat> the Crusaders were heading up to enemy territory at a packed house and uh, coming away with the chocolates. Oh, brilliant. He's already he's seen the future, Grant. 
He's seen the future. <laughs> the Crusaders win, and that means I am, I know more than you, Grant. And and what a shock. Tim uh, phoning from Christchurch, obviously. Are you, are you travelling up there, Tim? Oh, look, I, I, yeah, I, was, I nearly did. I nearly did. I had tickets all sitting there, but we've been away like the last three weeks, and we're going away next... Uh, got people coming next week and going away to the tests in a couple of weeks. So yeah. it was a bridge too far, to be honest. And where are you watching the game? Are there going to be any um, Auckland supporters where you're going to be watching the game? Yeah, one of my best mates is a very, very sad Auckland supporter. He's been, you know, he's never given up on them. Oh, and he's been based in Christchurch the whole time. My Lord, give him a cuddle from us, Tim. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that he's, had lots, he's had lots of cuddles. He's had lots of cuddles over the years, especially when he has to keep giving me bottles of scotch because he's been fed. <laughs> Oh, so there's a bottle of scotch on it too. So when he arrives for the final, um, is it red and black everywhere in the house? You all kitted up. Yeah. Is he brave enough yeah, to wear I've blue? Got, uh, he's, coming to, he's coming to pick me up and I've got um, Escape from Paradise all teed up to be on my Bluetooth speaker to welcome. Oh, Conquest of Paradise. <laughs> that, that, that song from that movie... That song from that movie about the Spanish um, landing in the United States. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for Crusaders, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a clear link there, Tim, isn't there? There's a clear link there. There's no no better team song than that. When the boys run out on on whatever stadium we're we're playing at and uh, that song comes on, mate, it's spine-tingling. Does it ever get boring? (laughs) Seriously? I've played it about eight times today. Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) So this would be six in a row. Beating the Blues, yeah. Tim, in Auckland, though, probably makes it the most special of the Razor Robertson uh, area. Oh, Would I be right in saying that? Absolutely, because, you know, 100%. Every other brilliant. year, it's felt like it was ours to lose, and we've been the dominant team. If we win it this year, look, I actually I kind of hope that Auckland wins it for, for New Zealand rugby and for the competition, but, but for us to go out there this year, being the underdogs for a change and, and having it, you know, for us, what you would call a pretty average season, to go out there and then uh, come away with the win would be phenomenal. That is Tim, um, former resident of Christchurch, who will be asked <laughs> to probably leave the city now after saying that last sentence, <laughs> right? I'm a rugby fan, first and foremost. Oh, listen oh, to it. Rugby's the winner, Tim. Good on you, Tim. So Grant's gone the Blues. You've gone the Crusaders for the performance of the week for winning the final. See, Tim's one step ahead of you, Grant. He's one step ahead of you. Hey, good on you, Tim. Enjoy the final. Do appreciate your time. Thanks, Tim. Have a good time. Isn't that great? One one Lowe's Blues, one lone Blues supporter in his household surrounded. Ooh. That's either going to be the worst night of his life or the best night. But but to to his credit, he was able to take the emotions of being a Crusaders fan and push that aside and say, I, I'm just a rugby fan. And you don't really hear Crusaders fans say that. Do I you? don't believe him. Yeah, maybe. I think push comes to shove, he'll be a little bit. Yeah. He'll be cracking his teeth at the end of it if the Blues actually get up. It is 12 minutes after 12 o'clock. Keep your nominations coming through for your Sleep Drops performance of the week. If you want to talk anything to do with sport, uh, feel free. Uh, text us, double eight, double three. Coming up very shortly in association with Somerset. Think legendary care. Think Somerset Retirement Villages. It's time for another Saturday session. Legend, Kate McElroy is not far away. 17 minutes after 12 o'clock. We're having a bit of a party in the studio ahead of the Super Rugby Final later tonight. Lots of moving and shaking from me, of course. You are. I've got the rhythm. With a style, I've got the grace, and you've got the finger wag, Grant. That's the extent of your uh, dancing ability. Superb stuff.
Uh, we welcome in a very special guest now, all part of our Saturday Session Legends segment in association with Somerset. Uh, we are delighted to welcome in a multifaceted, multidimensional, and outstanding athlete who's uh, forged quite the career. To say her career is unique would be quite the understatement and certainly one of the uh, most talented athletes of our generation, I would argue. A former world mountain running champ from 2005 within the space of three or four years. Injuries forced her uh, down a different career path. Uh, triathlon ended up uh, seeing her uh, represent New Zealand at the Olympic Games. And let's not forget, before that world mountain running championship, uh, she was a very fine track and field star. And then just for shits and giggles towards the end, I'll become a very good uh, ro- uh, sorry, elite cyclist. Uh, we can only be talking about Kate McElroy, who joins us from somewhere sunny, we do hope. Kate, thanks so much for joining us here on SCNZ. Uh, no problem. Good afternoon. Where are you at the moment? Um, I'm in Christchurch, actually. Ah, right. Red and black country. Hey. I, I'm sure there's yeah, no talk of yeah. super rugby down there. I'm sure there's no talk <laughs> about it. No, none at all, none at all. No, don't worry, I'm still a very loyal Wellingtonian. So, um, Excellent. Anyway, always stay loyal to the North Island for sure. What was Kate McElroy the Rugrat like charging around, getting into sport? What, what are your earliest memories of sport? Your competition uh, in sport, that is. Yeah, honestly, I think it's probably running around Mount Victoria. Like, I just loved, that was pretty much on our doorstep at home. And um, it was me charging after my older brother and trying to beat him, really. That was probably where I realised I was competitive. And everything I did it was to, to beat him and be better. Um, but I just loved <laughs> running. I loved running through mud, um, over fences, and that was probably where cross-country came into it. Um, yeah, anything where I could be put against the boys, um, you know, it was a wicked challenge, and I was always up for it, and, um, yeah, took it, for, took it head on. Hey, Kate, it's uh, Grant here. Thanks for coming on the show. It's great to have you. Um, I, that was going to be my question is, you know, at school, I picture you as being one of those girls just smashing everyone in the class, all the boys, all the girls, and being almost sort of 50 to 100 metres ahead of everyone. Is that where the love um, of, of your sport came? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, I've actually got a funny photo from, I went to Hatai Primary School, and I desperately wanted to play hockey, um, but there was no girls team, and there was only a boys team, so I wasn't allowed. And um, on the day of school photos for the hockey team, I went and plonked myself on the bench, for the photo, um, even though I wasn't in the team, but I was obviously trying to prove a point that I should have been in there. Um, so I think it probably sort of gives some sort of, um, I don't know, little look into the future about sort of where I was going to go. Um, and then, it, then I ended up going to an all-girls school in secondary school, and I was that kid that was always out way out the front on those cross-country days where most <laughs> of the girls weren't interested in running, you know. <laughs> and I sort of would bolt off out the start line and, yeah, I would be way out the front, and I loved it. And you know, I'd run full gas the whole way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of just always been inbuilt in me for some reason. Were you a good loser, though? You're ultra-competitive. You ought to beat everyone. You can't win every race. As a youngster, were you good at, you know, you know dealing um, with the downs? Because you, your professional <laughs> career has obviously presented you with lots of challenges, which we'll get into. But, you know, did, did you cope well with yeah. losing? No, it's a good question, actually. To be honest, I, I won a, a lot of my races through school, and the biggest disappointment for me was um, National Secondary School Champs one year, where I'd won the year before, and I came in the reigning champ, and I came fourth, and it was I was distraught. 
you know, I didn't actually know how to cope with it because I'd only ever won. Um, so that was probably my first experience of actually having to deal with it and having to be, you know, graceful to my competitors and um, show humbleness <laughs> and actually learn that skill because I, as ridiculous as it sounded, I had always won. So it was like, wow, this is, I don't like being horse and I don't want it to happen again. So, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was definitely the first taste of dealing with that for sure. Kate, to do what you do, you need a lot of resilience. Um, I guess a lot of people would say it's more mental than physical. But where do you think that, that I guess, that mental aptitude for um, long-distance sports or endurance sports started? I just think I was just always naturally drawn to it and was naturally good at it. So I was actually born with pretty good set of lungs. <laughs> so I gravitated towards, you know, I'd have no fast twitch fibers. My sprinting was really average. <laughs> um, yeah, I wish I could have been a sprinter, but um, you know, Flojo when I was younger was my hero. <laughs> um, and the oh, did you have the spandex like look? Did, did you have the hooded spandex yeah. kit too? Did you wander down the streets of hard tie tie like that? I did. I I think I rocked. Tried to mimic her exact tights. Um, didn't have the long nails that she used to um, have on on race day. But yeah, like she was she was my hero for a few years, which is crazy because I wasn't remotely a sprinter. Um, and then obviously that all changed with how her career changed. But um, yeah, I was just always gravitated towards the longer the longer events. We used to run the dog, run the block, and things like that. So I just enjoyed it. It was never forced upon me. Like oh, you know, my parents were never said to me, oh, you know, we think you should be a runner or you should go training. I just did it. Um, yeah. And I think mum and dad to this day are still. Um, they don't. They don't really know. I mean, dad was a good athlete. Mum was a pretty good swimmer. But. It was just there, and it's um, and I just always sort of, yeah, just one thing led to another. So sort of one, you know, achieve something. Like, oh, now I want to, you know, if I won a local cross country race, and I was like, no, I want to try and win nationals. Or, but it was never. It was always my ideas, and I think that's probably the key, the most important point through my whole career. Is it was always driven from me. As far as. Well, there were big rapes on you coming through the, the system. You, you've talked about it. Uh, you did a lot of winning junior athlete, I think, of the of the year you were during your, your high school years, it might have been. But I'm just trying to move on to the the World Mountain Running Champs. I think it was 2005. Uh, that's probably when you sort of announced yourself to, you know, the New Zealand um, sporting community with somewhat of a, an unexpected win in front of your own fans. From what I remember, Kate, and please tell me, like mountain running, you'd hardly done it, right? But you decided, I oh, know, this event's in New Zealand, I'll, I'll give it a go, and you go on and win the darn thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, it was actually, it was in Wellington. You know, I heard the World Mountain Running Champs were in my hometown. I thought, oh, that would be pretty amazing to be involved with that. And the biggest um, part that I had to, I had to qualify. So I needed to, uh, I think, finish in the top one or two at our national champs. So I was like, well... The course was in Mount, on Mount Victoria. You know, I'd run on those tracks my whole life. Obviously, it was slightly different to just running through the tracks. It was actually running from Oriental Bay to the top of the mountain and back. But um, I thought I might as well give it a go. So I first I had qualified first, and I got beaten by Melissa Moon. By you know, she beat me by minutes, maybe five or six minutes. Um, you know, she comes from amazing mountain running pedigree. But I was selected for the team. So then that gave me a wicked goal for the next six months to try and get really fit and to see how good I could be. And I'd never 
had never put myself up against those other mountain runners. I didn't even know who they were. I didn't know their ability. <laughs> but I um, just thought, well, oh well. my main goal, to be honest, after the mountain running champs was to qualify for the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. So yeah. I was actually, this was just a really good, um, the event fitted well with timing, with my build-up, with a good strength phase. And I thought, oh, well, I'll do a world mountain running champs. That goes well. That's a bonus. And then for basically the Com Games was the main goal after that. And I just, it was just the first time in my life I'd had a completely flawless build-up. You know, my biggest problem through my whole career was the lack of consistency through injury. And it was the first time in my life I wasn't injured. So I'd got a new coach, John Bowden. Um, the program he gave me, looking back on it, was incredible, but also completely insane. Um, <laughs> and I either made you or it broke you. Like it was, you know, the training I did was nuts. But it, you know, for that time, it, it made me. You know, I didn't get injured. And I came, I was on the start line for World Mountain Running Champs in the best shape of my life. And I, I didn't know I was capable of winning it. I didn't go in there thinking, you know, I can beat these girls. But I went in there with the confidence that I knew I'd had a wicked build up. Um, and what will be, will be. Well, Kate, it sounds like that was almost a catalyst for what was to come in your, your career. And in 2006, you then represented New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games. You finished fifth in the steeplechase, the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Yeah, running, water, jumping. <laughs> Loved it. Getting, didn't get muddy. Didn't get muddy on the track, though. Well, and, then, <laughs> and three years later, you started competing in triathlon, yeah, and you almost replicated what you did with mountain running. You won the World Cup race in Hungary. So what... What changed in, I guess, the, the four years where you were chopping and changing into um, different aspects of um, endurance? Yeah, look, I mean, I could never have scripted <laughs> the way my career went. But, um, you know, running was always my true love. And if I could still be a runner now, I think I would be. But my body had other things to say about that. And it just started breaking down. I had huge problems with my Achilles tendons. And they had been a problem since I was about 17. And I'd learned to manage them. Um, you know, I had phases when they were great and phases when they were terrible. And um, they essentially just got worse and worse and worse. And then I had a problem called Hagen's syndrome, which is basically a big bulge on your heel bone. Um, and that essentially stopped me from running on the track. Um, and I knew I was meant to qualify for the Beijing Olympics in steeplechase. And I had to improve fitness a few months out, and my, my my heel, my Achilles was not in a good state at all, and I couldn't complete the fitness test. And I knew deep down that that was the end of my running career on the track. Um, so I um, was at a bit of a loss. Like, I was 27, and I was like, well, you've had a pretty good career, but I still don't feel fulfilled because I haven't been to mm. an Olympics, which has always been my childhood dream. And because I'd swum a little bit as a as a kid to like I was competitive but not amazing at it um triathlon had always been in the back of my head about giving it a go at some stage and I thought well it's now or never if I don't switch now I'm then going to be in my 30s and it's too late so I just made the change myself I didn't actually even really talk to anyone I didn't want people to say oh that's ridiculous what are you doing now <laughs> so um I sort of secretly started training to be honest um, I got myself a triathlon coach, Greg Crane, and um, yeah, and look, I it just went from one small event to another, like the local series in Wellington, where I think I came second in my first race, but I was really lucky to be picked up by Triathlon New Zealand really early on, 
And that was just because of my running background. They knew I could run a pretty quick 10K. So they were then willing to put the time into me to develop my swimming and biking. So I then was, um, I travelled to Europe with them in my first year. So obviously never having competed overseas in triathlon. I think I finished third at um, national champs in New Zealand. So nothing earth-shattering, but they, they took a punt on me, to be honest. And that fast-tracked me effectively. And um, I think four or five months later, I won my first World Cup. So, you know, oh, I also put huge, huge amounts of pressure on myself to make it in the first year because I was conscious of my age. I was conscious that, um, I think you're at that time where everyone says, you know, when are you getting a proper job? You know, you're, <laughs> when are you going to stop being an athlete? And it was like, oh, Sarah, how am I going to tell people now that I've switched sport? I don't mm-hmm. even know if I'm going to be good at it. But now I've actually got to prove that I can actually make a living out of it. So I gave myself a year to be good. And if it didn't work, I was going to stop. So And it did. <laughs> so Brilliant. it sort of slowed on from there. And, of course, you, you ultimately um, fulfill that dream by competing in Olympic Games and triathlon. But it, it, And your cycling developed to such a level you were able to compete in cycling, standalone cycling events, which, which is stunning. But the, the swimming, you know, it's... You did a bit of swimming probably at Kilburnie Pool, but it's slightly different to jumping in the ocean with feral triathletes around you in the Olympic drowning competition, it always looks like to me, over the first 100 metres. Are you, are you a natural ocean swimmer? Because I'd, I'd heard whispers that you, you, you actually were quite the opposite. You <laughs> hated the ocean. You hated the ocean, right? I, oh no, I had a fear of fish. Like, legit fear. And so the... <laughs> The biggest laugh on me was the fact that now as a triathlete, obviously having to swim in the ocean, all my family and friends were like, what are you doing? Like, you've actually uh, scared of fish. And I was like, I know, I don't, I don't know. But um, honestly... Can I ask you this? How did you cope then when a, when a shark was spotted in Wellington Harbour and the Dominion Post put an, a, a fake shark on their back page? It wasn't the shark, Grant. It was just any shark. Oh. And the most menacing thing... I heard a whisper that that turned you off swimming for a bit of a bit of time. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, but it's not even the sharks in Wellington Harbour. It's the orca whales that come in all the time. <laughs> you know, you're like far out. I was swimming in there yesterday. Um, yeah, look, I don't know. The, obviously, I had to flick the switch somewhere. But yeah. um, actually, one of the qualifying races for the Olympics in, in Sydney, we had um, we we swam right next to the um, the Sydney Opera House, and there were divers under the water with spear guns to shoot any sharks while we're swimming. So oh, my word. There's a part of it where you feel, no, I'm safe. But it's like, actually, this is crazy, you know? These guys Bugger are that. To... Bugger <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you do what I used to do in the ocean in South Africa, Kate? Just make sure someone was in front of you. <laughs> you didn't want to yeah, be first. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, or oh, I'd always have my eyes closed. I'd never have my eyes open looking down. Because I just would like just terrify me what I could possibly see, but I I was never a good enough swimmer to be out the front. So I always had that safety net of a whole lot of triathletes <laughs> around me, and I was like, well, if they're going to get one of us, they're going to get all of us. So we're going to get Yeah, like a scene yeah. of Jaws. Yeah, it's Fantastic. crazy. But the start of a the start of a triathlon swim, the swim start is absolutely insane, and is, I um. Yeah, and it, it, it actually is it's quite horrible because you then all obviously converge into one boy and so you end up on top of each other. If you're not fast enough, then you get pulled under and you get kicked on and you hear your head pushed down. Like, 
So it, it made me realize how important your swim has to be to be good. Yeah. So I actually spent the first year of my triathlon career basically focusing on swimming. I think I swam nine to ten times a week just to get it up to speed. But I was the thing that worked for me was I was naturally a better swimmer in the open water mm. than in the pool. Like a lot of pool swimmers don't it doesn't always translate to the open water. Yeah. But I I was better in the open water than I was in the pool. And I learned to draft really, really quickly, how to sit on people's feet, how to sit on people's hips, um, because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. You know, I just, like, I can't come out of the water last and be chasing. And it was my, and I was actually pretty good. I actually would always come out in the lead pack most of the time. Um, You know, but it it was probably the first 18 months of literally looking at the bottom of the pool, it could be any pool, and then we went overseas, working on my technique, just getting the endurance of swimming. Like it's, the biggest thing with swimming is, is the technical aspect um, and how detailed it is and how just a small change in the way your hand enters the water you know, can adjust how fast you're going dramatically. So it was learning all those minute details and breaking my stroke down almost every day with my coach at the time, Tim Brazier, um, yeah, and it, it helped. It was, you know, it was crazy. And I went from just making front pack to comfortably making front pack and, and feeling comp- confident on the yeah. start line. Amazing. At cycling, um, you know, it's filled a lot of your career in the, in the latter years and great success, a lot of road cycling success. Was that um, just a natural evolution? Hey, I do this in triathlon. I want to see how far I can push myself in this too. Were you bored? You're sick of running, sick of swimming. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> see how, how, much, how far I can go on a bike and how quickly I can go on a bike. <laughs> Honestly, that that was never really meant to happen. But I my cycling became really good because I was always injured. Even with through triathlon, there were big chunks of time when I couldn't run. I always had was tearing my calves a lot. So I, we would um, pick up my cycling training instead and replicate run sessions on the bike. So my cycling naturally became a lot stronger. And I loved I learned to love the bike. Like I'd never ridden a bike until properly until I was twenty seven. And so I started triathlon and. Yeah, just through time, it became probably became my strongest discipline. And then um, when I stopped doing triathlon, I actually got a proper job, as people say, <laughs> in an office at zero, and which was great. But I just missed that. Um, I couldn't. I had a big injury. I'd ripped my hammy hamstring off the bone. So I was then sitting oh. in an office, and I was like, "Well, I can't run. I can't swim, but I could. I could still bike." So <laughs> that was my outlet. And then. Wait, do you ever sit down? Do you ever lie down on a couch? Like, seriously, do you ever have a lazy day? <laughs> Honestly, I do. I promise. I promise. I, promise. I, promise. I, I bet you're the type of person who gets up during the opening credits of a movie and goes do something. I'm bored. I'm not sitting here. I'm going for a walk. It's a learned skill, that's for sure. <laughs> so what next? You're never going to leave this competitive drive, Kate. It, that, that's ringing very loud in my ears. So what... Yeah. What's, uh, what What over the next 10, 20 years do you think you can do? That's a good question. I'm actually currently 28 weeks pregnant. So, um, that's oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, thank okay. you. That slowed that's awesome. me down considerably. Um, <laughs> like, I, I actually can't exercise. I can walk, and even walking is uncomfortable. So, my life has gone from a lot of sport, a lot of exercise per week to pretty much nothing. Um, which has been very hard to get my head around that, but I'm growing a small human, so that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah that's okay. But, yeah, look, I, I don't know. Like, I'm actually looking at branching 
into coaching. Really want to. I've got enough experience over quite a few different sports to actually give back. And actually, I I love helping athletes achieve what they want to. And I think I've had enough setbacks and known how to get fit so many times, like starting from scratch, that I'd like to sort of pass that on. But I'd also like to, like I still love cycling. I'd love to get back into running if I could, like some more yeah. trail running events, the longer endurance events. Just stuff that's a little bit different to what I've done and sort of still presents the challenge to me. So there'll be there'll be some events that pop up that will tickle my fancy. <laughs> but at the moment, I'm just actually, I'm actually enjoying having no pressure to be on the start line or to do any training and to just, yeah, just sort of be a little bit normal. <laughs> Well, Kate, when I look at your career, you're the first female to go under four hours at the Taupo um, road race. But what I want to know, and something that we see a lot of similarity in um, with our Legends chat, is just the love of the sport and actually giving back. And they spend a lot of time in the sport. They've developed a real love for the sport. And we can see that you have and, and hear it in your voice. What would the young Kate McElroy say to, um, or sorry, the current Kate McElroy say to the young uh, Kate McElroy when she was named New Zealand Sportswoman of the Year at Halberg's Awards, how would you describe you should maybe plan your career? Because you've had setbacks, but that's where you've obviously developed the character that you now have to go into coaching. But would you do it any differently? Hmm, that's, that's a really good question. I think the biggest thing that, and I think now that I'm older and I um, haven't been in the like high, high performance scene for maybe a year or two, the biggest thing I carried through everything was I had a, a crazy amount of self-belief mm. and that was never, it was never anyone saying, oh, you're a really good athlete. It was just in me and that yeah. got me through every, it got mm. me through every injury and I always said to myself, if only I can get back injury-free and healthy, I know I can be one of the best in the world. Like, I never I never doubted it. And I, um, yeah, and I, I think if I didn't have that, then there's no way I could have achieved what I did. And I think a lot of kids coming through these days lack a bit of confidence. And it's like you have to be confident to try and be, you know, right up there competitive against the best guys or girls in the world. And you've just got to back yourself. Yeah. Great words. Um, great advice. Great career. Thanks so much for joining us, Kate. Um, good luck with uh, probably the most exciting chapter in your life, uh, becoming a mother shortly. We wish you and your family all the success. But thank you for, for everything you've done over the last uh, generation. Um, and uh, we look forward to seeing you know you back on the start line eventually somewhere. Thanks a lot, Kate. Yeah, that, that no doubt. Young, no. young child that you are bringing up at the moment is going to be, or going yeah. to, is going to be um, uh, unbelievably lucky to have someone instill confidence in them and the self-belief that we heard that you had uh, during your career. So um, thank yeah. you very much for coming on the show. No problem. It's been great to chat. Thanks. All the best. Kate McElroy, our Saturday session legend. In association with Somerset, Thank you, friends, new laughs, and a new home, I think, Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Wow, what a career. I just love what she said at the end about self-belief. Like, it, There's not many Kiwi athletes that talk about how much they actually back themselves. But she did. She, she fully backed herself um, and her ability before every, 
every event and I mean you can see what she achieved a lot just chopping and changing between events and backing herself that she was going to perform um, it's unbelievable skill to have I wanted to actually get a little bit deeper and ask how is she going to teach that you know when she goes into coaching it's a really good question isn't it uh, we will take a short break though we're going to get to Clado and the team the good oil oh. uh, after the uh, break it's 18 minutes away from one Clado good morning good, good afternoon morning, whatever it may be it's afternoon Clado was on our screen, but he's disappeared. But I can hear those dulcet tones. Hey, Clado, I'm having I'm having great issue with some of these Crusaders fans, like Mike, who texts in. Of course, we want our team to win and raise a cut some shapes, but the Blues winning equals good for rugby. Well, it's still it's good for rugby. It's one of the most anticipated finals we've had for a long, long time. Oh, absolutely, but I don't I don't believe those can tabs. They 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 don't. They don't believe we'll be good for rugby. Yeah, wait till they lose. Getting getting their getting their asses kicked will be great for rugby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey Clado, before you before you start with your tips, I've got a tip. You know that I don't normally give tips. Well, last time you did it one. You still yep. haven't on that, yeah. I know, yeah, everyone's yes, tuning it? in now. So <laughs> I am taking a big step here because I could have just finished there, you know, I was one from one. Race four. Race four One, today at Trentham. You going out at to the Trentham. Champagne Turf? Not going out. No, not today, Clado. No. Okay. Um, I've got indoor cricket with the boys, but um, Platinum Star. Platinum Star, the nine. Lisa Latter, a big fan of that stable, eh? Yeah, what do you so think? He's a doozy. Well, I like Hooks and Harker Boogie in there, and I tell you, if Harker Boogie wins, I'll actually get up and do a Harker and a Boogie. Yeah. At the same time. At the nice. same time. Hey, money to dance. see that. Dancing really has been the theme of the day, isn't it? <laughs> dancing has been the theme of the yeah. day. Who, are you dancing with the stars this afternoon? Who have you got lined up on the show? Oh, I certainly am dancing with the stars. We've got uh, the best auctioneer in the world, Steve Davis, joining us. So looking forward to having Steve on board. And a man you'd know, Black Cap Kyle Mills. He's back. Oh, he's back again. By Telling lies. Opinion. <laughs> Telling lies about my upbringing, saying that I couldn't speak English. Daniel McCarty believed him. No, I didn't. He believed him. He said, is I it true asked, that English is your second language? I asked the question, and expecting you to be honest. Yeah, true. Millsy wasn't, li- me- wasn't lying, though. Oh, well. I, he, he shut his mouth pretty quickly when he saw, um, when he saw the horse come in, didn't he? No, he was, he was on board with you. Subtle point. It's in again today. And our old mate goes around again, Chase. Remember Chase? Oh, yes, he I seems do to go around Chase. every time we're on. <laughs> well, give our best to Millsy. Um, English is a second language for him too, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Thanks so much, Clayton. I have a great show. Sorry I broke the bionic studio. <laughs> <laughs> Clayton causing all sorts of bother in the, in the main studio. We'll take a short break, and then it's our own sporting tips that you should probably run a mile from. You're watching the hips? You're watching these hips, Grant? <laughs> Follow these hips. These hips. There we go. How about this one from Tim? All I've heard all week is Crusaders supporters telling us, Orcs, that they will win. But it would be nice for Auckland to win. Who are these fanboys? The Blues will mongrel them like it's the movie 300. Tim in the 09. Don't stop believing, Tim. Come on. Don't stop believing. Jeez, our producer's been amazing with the tunes. Today, I, I think. Want, I want to go out again. Right, um, here's our sporting <laughs> tips. You should probably run a mile from Johnny Rahm to win the US Golf Open at five bucks. Oh, you're welcome. Nice. Get Very on quick. It. I might be a little bit biased. How many minutes do we have for my tip? Oh, God, here we go. How many legs? Are... 
We've got about a minute, mate. Oh, okay. How many that, multis? That's all right. No, no, no. Last week I went for a multi. And you know what? You went the favourites multi or the... I went the favourites multi. And Ben went the outsider multi. That's right. Oh, yeah. Where it was 1,250 to 1. And he texted me and he went, he was out of it straight away as the, <laughs> the Rabbitohs beat the Titans. Anyway, I went the Rabbitohs, the Storm, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Sharks, the Eels. Four and you six. know what happened? Four out of six. No, five out of six. Oh! Eels just at Eels. the end. Up the doggies. The doggies got them. But anyway, I've got my tip for this weekend. It has to be Super Rugby. And you know what? Everyone's sitting on the fence with this one. So am I with my bet. $15 for a draw. I want to see the, I want to see the kickoff. I want to see extra time. So got, I want to see golden points, and I want to see the kickoff. The draw. Yeah. The draw at 15 draw. bucks, Grant Elliott. On to extra time as a result, Ben Francis. I'm going to make everyone a lot of money here. I'm going race eight at Tarapa, number two, Cherry Lane, paying $31 for the win. Cherry Lane. I like nice. the sound of that. I like that. All right, Ben. Thank you so much for your fine efforts this week, mate. Have a great uh, Saturday afternoon, and we'll catch you next week. My thanks to Grant Elliott. Ta-da. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben. Thanks, Dan. Thanks to all the listeners, and for those of you that were calling her Susie on the, Elliott. On to the journey. Take us away, <laughs> journey. Catch you next week, team. Let's go. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.